there was a lot of like unlearning I had to do to kind of work through depression, to work yeah. through anxiety, to work through PTSD, trauma. And now I'm in a place, thankfully, where I'm able to talk about this. That's something that has come at a cost. And that cost is feeling detached from my family, mm. feeling detached from my culture in a lot yeah. of ways, because it is not the norm to talk about yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's not the norm to be so open. Yeah. And also to just own it and yeah. say a big like fuck yeah. you to anyone <laughs> yeah. who doesn't understand it yeah. or is not willing to understand yeah. it but the mees chi chi gandhi chalhata toba toba oho bad betty i'm sangeeta pillai and this is the masala podcast a spotify original this award-winning feminist podcast for and by South Asian women is all about cultural taboos, sex, sexuality, periods, mental health, menopause, nipple hair, shame, and many more taboos. Join me around my virtual kitchen table as I talk with some inspiring women from around the world, exploring what it means to be a South Asian feminist today. Masala podcast went international. I did a special live podcast in Cologne, Germany, as part of the Internet Festival. It was incredible hearing the experiences of my three amazing guests, Prasanna Uman, Lakshmi Manuela and Anu Ambasana, all doing incredible work in their own spaces and living in Germany, Holland and the UK respectively. We explored the common struggles that we all shared. We found that we were all fighting similar issues as South Asian feminists. It made me think that it didn't matter where any of us had grown up or where we lived now. We were all fighting similar battles within our culture and outside of it. My German audience was super supportive, cheering us on laughing and joining in before you listen to this episode however i must say to you that this was recorded live in a large space that was quite lively so the sound might be a little bit different from what you're used to but the energy of my bad baby guests and supportive sisters was the same as always and it blew me away I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, hello. Willkommen. The first of the three words that I know in German. Dankeschön and guten Tag. And that's pretty much my German covered. So apologies. Um, I am delighted to host Masala Podcast live in Germany, in Cologne. Uh, it's a beautiful city. I've seen a little bit of it this morning, walking along the river. And it's warm, and it's got sunshine, which we don't have a lot of in London, so very happy to be here. Thank you all for turning up on this Saturday evening to listen to us. Um, I know some of you listen to Masala Podcast and some of you don't. So for those who don't, it's a podcast about taboos in South Asian culture. So if you are South Asian or know anyone who's South Asian, there's a lot of shit we don't talk about. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about periods. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about the menopause. We don't talk about my favorite, nipple hair. I think we should all be talking about nipple hair. <laughs> so the serious point behind the podcast is to get us as, as South Asian women and get us as people from this culture to not feel so alone with all this, because we all suffer from this stuff. You know, we, we've grown up, we've been taught to hide our bodies, to not talk about our sexuality, to not express issues we might be having with our mental health. And what that does is makes us feel very small, very alone within the culture. And also the other aspect is we're taught that to be South Asian is to be only this. There's only one way to be South Asian. You, I don't know, you grow up, you work in a bank, you get married, you have a couple of kids, you look after the house and that means you're a South Asian woman and anybody else is not. 
and that's bullshit. So the point of the podcast is get us all, whatever our South Asian identity might be, to express the stuff we're going through, to feel less alone. Um, so that's Masala Podcast. So welcome today. The Sala Podcast is about two and a half years old. Um, it started as the result of a competition. Um, I did a podcasting workshop earlier and I talked about, three years ago I was on Google typing what is a podcast. I talk about this a lot because I want to tell people that podcasting is truly a democratic platform. You don't need to be connected. You don't need to know anyone to start it. And I think that's the beauty of it. Um, so started it about two and a half years ago. I've just wrapped up season four. Uh, each season is about 10 to 12 episodes. You're welcome to go listen on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been great, been, you know, won a couple of British podcast awards, two last year, one the year before, been nominated for two more this year. I get written about in a lot of magazines, which is amazing. And to me, it always surprises me. And I sort of say, think to myself like, that's me. You know, <laughs> I have this moment sometimes because the other people that are nominated are usually celebrities, have big teams behind them, and, and there's me with my little podcast in my kitchen table, <laughs> my recorder. So it's always amazing and wonderful that, you know, to be in these spaces. So I feel very, very grateful. And a lot of it is to do with you, with my audience who's been kind of part of this journey, my audience who writes in and loves me and supports me and tells me, oh my God, you know, that episode you did, we talked about this and it really helped me. So that's what keeps me going. So thank you very, very much for being you. Like give yourself a big round of applause. <laughs> so today, Masala Podcast Live in Cologne, we have three amazing guests, wonderful women, who are all doing incredible things, who are making us all proud as South Asian women. To my extreme left is Lakshmi Manuela, who is an Hi. artist, she's from the Netherlands. She is all about her taboo-breaking work. She uh, is an artist who does a lot of work around the female body. Her work is right behind you, you can see that. And I love the fact that how much beauty there is in the folds of our skin and our curves and our bodies and in a society that's all about teaching us to hate ourselves if we don't fit into a very narrow, size eight blonde body, uh, we're taught to hate that body. And I think Lakshmi shows us that, that any body is beautiful and our bodies are beautiful. So thank you for what you do. Big round of applause for Lakshmi. <laughs> Second, we have Prasanna Uman, who's a presenter, a host, an author, a comms consultant and an author. She does a lot of work around identity and fitting between the two identities, and I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say today. Big round of applause for Prasanna. <laughs> and last but not least, Anu Ambasana, who is all about building worlds through art and music. Anu is an illustrator, she's an artist, she's a DJ, and she was telling me yesterday about her dream to create this magical graphic novel that encompasses all of that, and I, I know she's gonna make it happen. Give Anu a big round of applause, please. So I talk a lot about bad beities. So this necklace that I'm wearing is, is, says bad beity. Now, to me, it's like a telegraphic way to say a woman who doesn't do as she is told. It's a telegraphic way to uh, express the identity of a woman who refuses to follow the very strict binary code of what it is to be a South Asian woman. And I think we're all on this panel, and a lot of you kind of in the audience are very much people who've chosen not to follow that very specific strict path. So a bad daughter, I tried to look it up in German, and I think I got it wrong, I was asking someone. So it's Buza Teshta, is it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was it? That's what it is. I can't pronounce it again. <laughs> so that's what it is in German. So let's begin by each of you um, telling me a little bit about you, your kind of cultural heritage, what you do. 
Should we start with you, Lakshmi? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you all hear me, right? Okay. Uh, my name is Lakshmi, and I'm an artist from uh, Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Um, I make paintings. Uh, my uh, background is that my parents are from Suriname, and my great-great-parents are from India. And um, yeah, I use my uh, own experiences of my culture. Uh, I try to use that uh, in my paintings. Uh, so I. Um, how do you say that? I tra transform my experiences into paintings. And I make oil paintings and also murals, uh, so small sizes, big sizes. Where did you grow up, Lakshmi? I grew up in the Netherlands, in the north of uh, the Netherlands. I was born and now I have been living my whole life in Rotterdam. And kind of what's your cultural heritage? Like where do your family come from? My parents come from Suriname. Suriname. So uh, my mom from the big city, no, yeah, my mom from the big city and my uh, dad from, uh, how do you say the country? Uh, countryside, countryside, yes. Thank you. Um, and my great-grandparents also from the countryside. Brilliant, yes. brilliant. Prasanna, can we come to you? Um, not to correct, but to, to broaden what I do, I actually refuse to work on identity <laughs> because I don't believe in that in these two cultures, German and Indian. So my heritage, cultural heritage is that my parents are from Kerala, from South India, and I was born in this city. And um, yeah, when what do I do? I actually work on the, as we say in German, the the normality, the Selbstverständlichkeit, what we say, so that it is normal that people like us, the short bodies, or curly, or black hair and brown skin, work in fields which are dominated by white males. So this is my work. So I work in cultural policy. I'm setting things on the agenda, which improves also women's lives and people of color's lives. So it's all about just being living in a just, more just world and doing art which is not othered by others. <laughs> I don't know if you get it, but this is what I'm doing. Thank you. Anu. Um, I'm Anu. I am an illustrator and I kind of specialize in making comics. And I'm also a DJ and a radio host and all my practices kind of inform each other and are an extension of me. So all of my work kind of acts as a diary of sorts. And I am half Punjabi, half Gujarati, but my parents were born in Tanzania and then moved to London, both at a relatively young age. So I'm kind of like on an in-between, you know, of uh, not really feeling British, but not really feeling Indian. Uh, and a lot of my work actually explores that with humor always injected through it. Thank you so much. Round of applause, I think. Could each of you tell me, um, what makes you a bad daughter? <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, I still feel like I'm a bad daughter. Yeah, That's, why? It's uh, really funny because I'm now 36 and when I come home, I still feel like, okay, I'm like not a good daughter or not a good sister even. And where it comes from, um, I think it started already when I was like uh, younger, uh, that my uh, parents asked me to wear a dress and I refused, I wanted to wear pants. Or they um, introduced me to uh, a Hindu guy to get married with him and I refused. I told them, no, no, that's not for me. But also things like being single for longer than 10 years, almost 14 years, and my parents were worried because I didn't, had a guy or a, a man in my life. So that was, uh, that was not good for them. The other thing maybe uh, for me is uh, my aunts, my family gave me really the feeling like you're not good enough. Uh, you act like you're very free and that's not the way you should supposed to, supposed to act. Um, and also making comparisons between me and my nieces that are uh, more, uh, how do you say that? more in line with what they expect them to do. So uh, for me, that was um, almost a, a normal 
to, uh, I, I almost accepted that that was... Like you were not fitting the norm. Yeah. Right? And I almost believed them yeah. that that was the norm. But I, um, how do you say that? I always um, just followed my path and just did what I wanted to do. And I think that's the pain point that, you know, when, because the kind of idea of what is normal is so narrow and so specific, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you are accepted and you're normal. Yeah. And if you go anywhere, even a little bit outside of that, sorry, you don't fit in anymore. And that's really painful. And I don't think people who don't grow up in that understand how difficult that is, because that then means having, making a choice. I was talking to somebody earlier about, I think they asked me a question like, what made you choose? And I'm like, I didn't have a choice. I had to be this person. But it doesn't come without a price. The price is you don't feel connected. The price is you might not feel Asian enough or whatever yeah. enough or female enough. Yeah, so I there is always a price to pay. Yeah. And I think my question then is why should it be like that? Yeah. You know, Why must it be so binary? Either you fit in and you do these 20 things you're told or you're out. Yeah. You don't deserve the affection of your family. You don't deserve the prestige. You don't deserve the love. Why? I think it's the fear. Yeah. They're really uh, afraid that you're going to uh, outgrow them or, yeah. uh, well, be the shame of the family. Exactly. That's also a thing that exactly. you all recognize maybe. But um, I think it's fear, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fear and I think it's a very tightly controlled ecosystem. Yeah. Because if anybody, if we all follow what we're told, then the ecosystem carries on exactly the way it is. And it's patriarchal. It benefits the patriarchy. It doesn't benefit women. And the minute anybody goes, you have to come down really hard on them because if they stray, then this whole thing is going to collapse. Yeah. It's very balanced and people have to keep it. You know? So I think that's probably why it is. Yeah. Prasanna, let's come to you. What makes you a bad daughter? I didn't become a doctor. So. <laughs> there you go. Started right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it, is, it is really true. I, I think I go, I've got a lot of support from my parents, but oh, I got it. Um, but still, it is difficult for South Asian parents mm -hmm. to accept that children do something which they can't describe in one sentence to yeah. the relatives. So yeah. I agree. And this thing with the fear... I also agree, but I'm, a, I'm now, I don't know, I turned 50, so I might be a little bit mild now. I think um, it is also this whole, whole post-colonial adaption of our parents mm -hmm. also influenced their upbringing. So they are also afraid of us entering white rooms. I mean, fields in which whites yeah. are dominant and they want us to be in a safe place. So that's why they say, please study, you know, medicine, engineering or business because they don't think that the white world, yeah. which is also true yeah. <laughs> from their point of view. So this is one thing. And also, of course, if you live with your boyfriend, which I yes. did before you get married, it's oh also not so not good. <laughs> so all these little things, you know, or I married after my younger brother. I got yeah. married after him, which was not very good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my so God. These are the yeah. little details. Yeah. But I must say, what you really need to, to stay a bad daughter is a good supportive father. Because the mothers, sometimes they are in the trap. Yes. In the same trap. So... And my father never pressured, pressurized me to, yeah. to get married, for yeah. instance. So what happened is that my boyfriend said he, he uh, experienced in India how it was for my father to explain why his eldest daughter is not married. So he said, you know, we should get married. It's just easier for him. You mm -hmm. know, it's like that. And that helps to, be, to stay a yeah. bad daughter. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is the other thing that comes up often in our lives, and not just us on this panel, there, you know, in, in your lives as well. There are so many points where you're made to feel bad. You're made to feel lesser than. You're made to feel like somehow by your actions to choose your happiness, you're bringing shame and dishonor and all of that on the family. And it's so much pressure to put on us, you know? And it starts really young, like, four or five, you already know without anybody telling you what is right and what is wrong. You say this or you don't say this or you wear this or you don't wear this. 
And how sad is that, you know? I know. Your turn. What makes you a bad daughter? How long do you have? An hour. This <laughs> is kind of endless. I mean, one of them is very obvious. I'm, I have a lot of tattoos, which is not something that goes down very nope. well in my family. Uh, yeah, that was a big point of contention uh, very early on. And then, yeah, I guess... Even though tattoos come from, like, Indian culture, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And then I guess similarly to, yeah other two women here, um, I guess it was following my own path and not, not adhering to the box that a lot of us are culturally put in, in a very inherent way as well. Um, so dropping out of university, uh, like I said to you yesterday, like yeah. not finishing something in my life, yes. you know? Um, what else? My career in general, being a <laughs> DJ, being in nightlife spaces. Oh my God. Traveling a lot on my own as a brown woman. Like, yeah, the, the list is, yes. it's long. <laughs> <laughs> Voluntarily putting yourself in places of sin. Yes, exactly. Right? Oh, and then another big one, coming out as queer to my parents. Oh Ooh. my God, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's a whole other podcast. I yeah, think. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, for all of you, for, um, for opening up. I've been, why am I a bad Betty? I mean, look at me. Uh, <laughs> so that could be another episode, but we won't do that today. Let's now get our lovely audience into this. Put your hands up if you're a bad Betty. Preachers. Everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So, good, good palace. Yeah, 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 it's fine. You don't have to be, you know, you can be whatever and be a bad baby and support us. So what we're gonna do now is have a little game, right? Now this game I call the orgasm guessing game, okay? Now, the purpose of this game is very simple. I will play you a couple of sounds and I'm gonna divide you to this part of the room. So that's section B, and this side of the room is section A. So I'm gonna play the sound, and you have to guess whether the sound is an orgasm or something else, and just shout out the answer. I'm gonna go section A, section B. And there might be a prize at the end of it. We'll figure out what the prize is, right? Manoj, could we have the first sound, please? Oh, oh. Section A. Was that an orgasm or not an orgasm? No. Even I don't think so. Well done. Section B. Was that an orgasm or was that not an orgasm? Yes. Coming back to another taboo. Like, oh my God, we've always got to show that we're having a lot of fun, even when we're not. Well done. Could we have sound two, please? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ooh. <laughs> Section A. Was that an orgasm? Was she having an orgasm? Oh. <laughs> That's called premature orgasm. <laughs> Could she be having an orgasm or just maybe trying her favorite cocktail? Be a very good cocktail. <laughs> Could we have the third sound, please? Oh, he's watching a porno. So it's an exaggerated sound of an orgasm, rather. Oh, it's an acted out orgasm, like a performative orgasm. I like that. Like I need to like really show, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I think you should get the prize for that one. <laughs> Could we have the next one, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Was that an orgasm or did she just find her keys? Keys. Excellent. I agree. Thank you, my dear audience, uh, for participating. Give yourselves a big round of applause. <laughs> so the point of this, like, the, it's a fun game, and it kind of gets people laughing and all of that, but the kind of more serious point is that when we start to normalize things that we all experience, and we all want to experience, and we start to normalize sex and sexuality, 
it opens up a conversation and then it opens up issues within that as well. So if we are queer, if we are asexual, if we have issues around it, we can then talk about it. But within the community, when we do not discuss sex and everything is just, the door is shut before you can even go there, there is no space for us to express anything complex within that. I don't know about you, but growing up, like anytime uh, there was a kissing scene on TV, my parents would go, what is all this trash you're watching? Yes. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can and Immediately that, yeah. the channel would get changed. Or anytime I'd watch a lot of Western stuff and they'd be like, what is this? What is this horrible thing? And like we spoke in Malayalam, these dirty things you watch. So immediately as a, as a young woman, you're like, oh my God, this is dirty. And that sense of shame that you embody, even before you understand what that is, then as you grow older, how then do you access your pleasure, right? How then do you own your sexuality? You can't. And then it becomes really complicated and really layered within that. And I think therefore the kind of more serious point is that when we do stuff like this, when we talk about sex, when we talk about orgasms, when we laugh about it, it is normalized. So that's my kind of point. Coming back to my lovely guests, Lakshmi, may I come to you? Yes. Uh, you explore the naked female body a lot in yes. all its beauty, in all its glory, in all its real. I love the folds of the flesh that you kind of Thank you. demonstrate in your work. Um, why is this important to you? Yeah, um, well, there are many layers to this question. Uh, I think I, uh, I make paintings, as I said before, uh, to um, transform my experiences in my paintings. So there can be uh, many themes uh, or um, experiences that I had, like, for instance, about the taboo on menstruation yeah. or about sexuality. Yeah. Uh, and I use those subjects in my paintings. Um, so in a way, it's a, a way to uh, tell a story. Yeah. Um, I started in 2016 with paintings. Um, and for no reason, I started painting myself. I did a self-portrait. Um, but I didn't know why I did it. I just did just a gut feeling, you know, just yeah. an emotion I felt. And I did it for a few years. And when I look back, I'm like, oh, there's a story behind it, you know? And that's what I'm still doing. But now I have like different subjects. For instance, now I'm painting about sexuality. Um, I try to portray a, a woman how she is mm. um, without co covering it with fake, uh, fake yes. shit, short yes. say. So, um, like how a, a woman is, how she's getting older, uh, yeah. when she's getting fat or yeah. when she's slim, when she yeah. has like stretch marks. Yeah. I just love the realness of it. Yes. So that's what I try to show. Um, and I also make sometimes paintings of myself to keep it uh, more personal for myself. Yes. Um, and I just think it's important to uh, open the conversation about that. Um, and I have like a lot of reactions, positive and negative, of yeah. people um, that makes me think, but also let them think about yeah. why they're asking those questions or why they're being negative about yeah. it. Um, but most, yeah, I, I think recently a lot of women show me sh support uh, yeah. for my paintings, yeah. so that's nice. Yeah, so it's a kind of a way of storytelling, but it's also uh, processing my own journey yeah. uh, as being a woman. Yeah. Because... Um, I think it's really difficult because, I think what we were saying earlier, because as women, we're allowed such a narrow way to be female, right? Mm -hmm. You have to... You can only be a certain size. You can only look a certain way. Your skin has to be a particular way. And mm -hmm. anybody that doesn't fit in is made to feel really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And all these kind of, you open up a magazine or you, you know, turn on your TV, it's very slim Caucasian women yeah. most of the time. Yeah. You know, older women, definitely not shown. Women with dark skins like us, you don't really yeah. see us anywhere. So the idea of desire is, desirability is very much a slim size eight blonde white woman. And anybody that's outside of that is made to feel undesirable. And how sad is that? Did you... Yeah, and you can never achieve it. Exactly. You can never achieve this, yeah, ever. You exactly. cannot achieve the height. Yes. You cannot achieve the, yes. the body structure. Yes. Nothing. Because yes. genetically, we have big hips. I mean, like, that's just how we are built, right? 
Although I think, yeah, yes. It was not, no. wow, how beautiful you are. You're like, oh, that's for a child. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I think it's also interesting to uh, ask why that's, why is that a perfect picture and for who? And why are we trying, for who yeah. are we yeah. trying yeah. to, uh, is it for men or yes. is it because we're insecure ourselves? Yes. Did yes. it start when we were young or yes. did it came when we got older? Because yes. when we, did we get aware of yes. our bodies and yes. this perfect image? Yes. And who created this perfect yes. image and why are we yes. keeping it? Yes. Uh, it was created by Western media, I think, mm -hmm. very much. And if you look back at our own heritage, Look at the women we thought desirable. Look at like Raja Ravi Varma's paintings or look at kind of our goddesses. They're beautiful and big and, you know, like curvaceous. All the temples, the goddesses in the temples, they are not skinny size eight women. They're like beautiful, buxom women. And that's where we come from. And that was our concept of desirability. And that was the goddess. But we've kind of ended up we live in the West, but even in, if you go back to India, every time I go back to India, the, the actresses are skinny now. Say Bollywood in the 80s were big women, you know? Yeah. Not anymore. They're very, 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 very slim. So I think this kind of very uh, heteronormative, very Caucasian idea of desire is what we're stuck with. And then we're made to feel inadequate. And then, not just that, advertisers will sell us shit to make us buy it in the hope that we are then becoming more desirable. Something we could never achieve, like what Prasanna said, it's this, this aspiration and we can never get there. Because how, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that's something I think that really interests me about your work, Lakshmi, and I think I look at it and each time I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Thank uh, you. <laughs> it really is, because we don't see that, and it is beautiful. It's beautiful in your yeah. art, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm really surprised about what you say right now because uh, when I started painting in 2016, I was not focused on the outside world. Yeah. So maybe for the last year, yeah. I started to go outside with my art. Yeah. And before that, I just was working in my in yeah. my space and not thinking about the reactions of the yeah. outside world. So that's why I paint vaginas, for yeah. instance. Yeah. I don't think about the reactions. I just paint yeah. what I want to paint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I came outside, the reactions were like, what you say? Like, oh, why uh, isn't this, this yeah. done before? Or why are yeah. not many people talking about this? And I'm yes. like surprised. Yeah. Uh, and shocked sometimes yeah. also about the reactions. Yeah. yeah. Do you get any backlash? Any um, negative comments or feedback? Well, not directly. Uh, I yeah. did a uh, TV interview in the yeah. Netherlands on yeah. national television last yeah. year. Um, and I noticed that no one from my own, yeah. own com community reacted yeah. on me. Yeah. No positive, no negative. Yeah. They just silenced me. <laughs> and when I asked my aunts, I'm like, did you yeah. saw the TV item? They're like, yeah, we saw it. Do you, did you like it? And they changed the topic. Yeah. They ignore me, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. The only person, my dad was the only person. I was yeah. surprised that he yeah. reacted, but yeah. he just called me and he was yeah. proud of me. But the rest of the family, yeah. like even my mom was, he yeah. she was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I get the same thing. If I put a picture of myself drinking a coffee, I get 50 likes on Facebook. Yeah. If I put up a post about doing masala podcast, no one says anything. It's quiet. It's quiet. So <laughs> you yeah. know, that tells you a lot, right? So I think that's kind of probably common. Prasanna, coming back to some of you work around non-identity, shall we say. What makes you do this? What in your experience makes you do this? I think the, um, the German context is a very specific context because we are not, uh, Indians or, or people of color are still a minority. Yeah. This, this has to do with the uh, migrational movements. Yeah. And um, so there was a long time where we didn't have any solidarity yeah. amongst the communities. Yeah. I think, and I always looked, you know, yeah. towards England and I, I yeah. thought, okay, that's great, something is happening. And then suddenly a discourse developed around structural racism, yeah. uh, discrimination, all this. Yeah. But the dialogue didn't really developed, yeah. you know, it was a lot about accusing and yeah. reacting yeah. and you're good or you're not good. Yeah. And actually, we didn't talk about biases which are within yeah. our own cultures yeah. and within our, you know, parents' cultures, which, which are there. Yeah. And these biases, of course, 
like yeah. in pictures, are of course they have a very heavy post-colonial impact. Yeah. Our parents raised us to be white. Yes. Yeah. They wanted to whitewash us, yeah. but in, on the same hand, they didn't want us to marry any yeah. white yeah. people. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. it's very, it's yeah. really, uh, yeah, schizophrenic, as you say, you yeah. know. And what I wanted to offer with a few other colleagues was an alternative to the very heated up debate. Mm. I wanted to offer people like me who can, as I said, navigate through white rooms. That means I'm not a role model for anti-racism discourses and yeah. workshops. And I'm a role model for I want to be that with yeah. my colleagues, yeah. not that anybody follows me, but yeah. that it's possible to discuss politics, feminism, yeah. issues without yeah. uh, mentioning yeah. my heritage, but taking yeah. into account that I have, of course, a competence which my white colleagues don't have. Yeah. You know, and this is something which you can only do if you can navigate, if you can play their yeah. game. Yeah. If you can't play their game, you're immediately, you know, somewhere in, yeah. in a frame. Yeah. But if you, you know, talk, you know the, the yeah. you are, I wanted to, um, how do you say that? Flip the it. River, flip yeah. it. Yeah. The um, assimilation which yeah. we were taught, I wanted yeah. to use it. And yeah. this is why I'm doing yeah. it. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anu, coming to you. Now, mental health is a huge taboo in our culture. We do not talk about it. We have really awful words to describe mental health. Either you're pagal or, you know, like that's it. There's no space for us to be depressed. There's no space for us to be anxious, to explore those nuances. Tell me a little bit about how that played out in your life within your family and cultural context. So, yeah, I think mental health within my family, but yeah, within the culture is something that, like you said, is not spoken about. We are taught at a very young age to just kind of push our feelings down yeah. and to... Show a particular face Show to the world. face, exactly. And that's yeah. showing face, whether that be in uh, yeah. social spaces, whether that be in white spaces, yeah. whether that be in family spaces, yes. you know, yes. where you are all about keeping up appearances. Mm -hmm. You're all about showing the success, the yeah. wealth, yeah. the... Yeah, just success on whatever level that is. Yeah. And for me, at a very young age... I was taught how to put on a front. And I was taught that through the environment that I grew up in. Uh, and that was often an environment that didn't leave me feeling very safe, didn't leave me feeling very nurtured. And that front was something that I really, really had to work hard to break down. Uh, I had to learn a whole new language, and that language was talking about my feelings, being honest about how I was actually doing. And I think that's, you know, not only a cultural thing within, you know, the South Asian yeah. community, yeah. but that's also something within yeah. British culture, culture as well. Absolutely. You know? We don't discuss our feelings. Yeah, we, we just don't. get drunk in the pub. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so... Yeah, there was a lot of like unlearning I had to do uh, and a lot of hard work as well, a lot of intensive hard work to kind of work through depression, to work yeah. through anxiety, to work through PTSD, trauma, all of yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and now I'm in a place, thankfully, where I'm able to talk about this. Uh, I'm able to state my needs towards my mental health, my wants, yeah. set boundaries. And... Yeah. That's something that has come at a cost. And that cost is feeling detached from my family, mm. feeling detached from my culture in a lot yeah. of ways because it is not the norm to talk about yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's not the norm to be so open. Yeah. And also to just own it and yeah. say a big, like, fuck yeah. you to anyone <laughs> yeah. who doesn't understand it yeah. or is not willing to understand yeah. it. Yeah, I just feel like within our culture, mental health is just not deemed to be a priority. Yeah. The saving face, the putting yeah. on that front is yeah. of the utmost importance. Absolutely. And 
yeah, it's just backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes that maybe that I've thought about this a lot. Um, but perhaps it comes from, you know, survival. So to survive, it was very important for us as a community to kind of focus on making money, you know, fitting in with the culture that we've moved to. So mental health almost felt like a luxury. Like, oh, if you've got the time and the space, you can be depressed. Yeah. And it almost comes from that. And even now that we are not necessarily in survival mode, we might be second, third generation, we're settled into wherever we are, we've got jobs, you know, we don't... Somehow it's still carried on. Yeah, because it's a transgenerational yeah. exactly. issue. Like is. in the show, we know it from the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's exactly what's exactly. happening. So true, so true. But I also think it's about like going against the grain, mm. you know, to yes. speak about your mental health yes. and to even acknowledge the fact that there might be an issue yes. there is not normal. It is. And we all know that doing something that's outside the box within our culture yeah. is yes. sacrilege. Absolutely. <laughs> and mental health is something that's really dear to my heart. Like I talk about it a lot on my social media, on the podcast. Like I, like you, suffer from anxiety, depression, PTSD. And for the last three years, I talk about it very openly. And it's the thing I get a lot of people will say, oh my God, you know, that's so brave of you, right? Uh, <laughs> then I've got told, like, you should think about God. Like, apparently, some, somebody once told me, just think about Krishna, and your mental health will go, issues will go away. I'm like, That's I funny. really wish, I don't think Krishna is that concerned about my mental health. Like, you know, he's got bigger things to worry about. <laughs> he might make you laugh. I know, exactly, but not, you know, but that's kind of where we come from. It's like, oh, this isn't nothing. You know, just like, put it aside and talk about the real stuff, like, what job you've got or what car you've bought or how big your, you know, finances are. So it's just, I think, culturally, we're just not allowed the space to talk about something that's so critical. And people, and the other thing that always strikes me is like, you know, older Asian people will talk about their, oh, my leg hurts, oh, my joint hurts, oh, my this, but nobody will ever say I am depressed, ever. So it's almost like code, like women, particularly older women, who a lot of them are unhappy or they might have issues. It's easier to say something physical. So many Asian women, I don't know if it's the same in your kind of circles, but mine definitely. Half of, maybe 70% of the older women I know have physical pains that they talk about. And I think a lot of it is a manifestation of a psychological pain that they're not able to express. So it's a real shame, but I think by having conversations like this, you know, people, somebody might listen to a podcast or someone might listen to Anu talking about it on her social media or whatever, there is opportunity then to yeah, change. I think the work is, oh, sorry. No, no, I, oh, I just wanted to say that I think we're very blessed that we have the opportunity to meet each, yes. other, meet each other and uh, be connected on social media. So, yeah. Because um, I think in the generation of my parents yes. and my uh, aunts, um, I recognize that this, this problem is still happening in my family yeah. also and with me still. But um, they just solved it with committing suicide. That's yes. su such a normal thing in my family. I, I just, God. if I tell it to strangers, they're like really shocked. Yeah. And to me, it's almost normal wow. that people ended their lives. Wow. And when I grew up, I, at a certain point, uh, I felt like, oh, maybe that's a, a way for me to get wow. out of this life. And yeah. when I got more older, I was like, okay, no, now I understand yeah. this this, how do you say that, yes. uh, this, this system where we're yes. in and how sick yes. it is, you yes. know? And yes, you, yes, yes. What you said, you should get out and be like, you know, fuck you yeah. all. I'm yeah. going to choose myself. Yeah. yeah, and I also think it's very important uh, that you are talking about it mm. because I did that yesterday for German TV here mm. and it was really like, um, they asked me before and, and I said, okay, I can't, I can't hurt my business. Mm. I can't say, and yeah. it wasn't that bad, but within the pandemic, yeah. it was, there was a lot of anxiety and there was yes. a lot of, of course. too much of everything, of too, ma too many expectations. And um, then I said, okay, I'm doing it because I want to get rid of the taboo. Mm. We have to talk about systems where this is allowed yeah. and where we have also easy systems to access, yes. you know, because this whole the pain issues yes. are always also a yes. result of a long-term yes um, depression yes and i know pretty many people yeah even and i i just met a very good friend a male 
who said, you know, he, he didn't say anything within the pandemic, but he said it afterwards. And yeah. he said, you know, I was sick and I didn't tell anybody. Yes. I had really mental issues. And yes. this is why I did that yesterday. And yeah. I think it's yeah. so important that you, yeah. you share it. Thank you. And, and that we share yeah. it when we yeah. feel yeah. that we are heading towards a depression. Yes, perhaps, yes, you yes, know? yes. And I think it, what that does when we own up and talk about our stuff, it takes away the shame because there is such shame attached to mental health in our culture. And somehow, you know, like we're, we're seen as weak. We're told that if you talk about it, you'll be seen as weak and then other people will attack you. But actually it's the reverse. When you talk about it, five other people then feel able to talk about it, you know? And that's the work, I think. That absolutely is the work. And I'd love now to talk about if we were to change the world, if bad Betis were to change the world, what would need to change for us to have a better world for that young lady there yeah. or for the next generation? I think uh, the first word that comes up in, in my mind is uh, sisterhood. Yeah. I felt, I feel, I feel like I really missed Woo! it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I really, really missed that when I was yeah. young and now yeah. I find it. Uh, yeah. Now I find it at yeah. the age of 36. Yeah. But when I, I, I hoped that I had a sister who talked to me, sat yeah. down with me and just yeah. said to me, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I can help you through this. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to support you and you can do yeah. this and uplift me instead yeah. of giving me a bet. Everything we talked about yeah. today is so recognizable yeah. from feeling bad, feeling ashamed yeah. and not knowing yeah. um, that you have potential and yeah. that you're good enough for yeah. this world and yeah. that you're okay. Yeah. You know, so I absolutely. think sisterhood would for, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would totally support this and agree. Solidarity, real, honest solidarity yeah. between women, especially yeah. in the professional life. Yeah. I actually experienced it more in India than yeah. in Germany. Wow. Interesting. So yeah. it depends which community you enter. But yeah. I experienced in Bangalore, a solidarity between women, which I yeah. never experienced yeah. here. And I think that's very important also to yeah. do something which I really, it's like, it's really like, a, um, I'm driven by cliches. I mean, get rid of the cliches. Yes. A woman doesn't have to yeah. be a good cook or yes. go to the garden or yeah. uh, she can do maths. And it seems very old fashioned to, talk, to still talk about this. But seeing these two young kids, yeah. I think, I hope that yeah. you can just be free yes. as a girl. You don't have to be a girl. Yes. You, know, you can, but you don't have to. Yeah. The kind of girly girl girly that we're girl. brought yeah. up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. Is, yeah. These are the pictures. Get rid of the pictures. Yes. Head. Sounds good. Anu? I just think we need to stop giving so much of a shit about what other people are doing. <laughs> Like, yeah. we as a culture, as a whole, care way too much. Yeah. Like, we are way too involved in other people's lives, in other people's paths. Yeah. And about what the neighbor's going to say. <laughs> yes. I think we need to, like, as a whole culture, yeah. just have more acceptance yeah. of who people are yeah. and whatever path they yeah. want to go down. Yeah. And just come at people with more openness for, like, all types of things, whether yeah. that be through you know, gender or yeah. the career path you choose yeah. or having a white partner or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, we just all need to not give so much of a shit about Absolutely. the paths we take. Absolutely. And I think, for me, it's this is how we change things, how we change the world. Having these conversations, creating a sisterhood, whether that's virtual, whether that's real, whether that's in your city, whether that's you're going to Bangalore to find it. You know, whatever these communities are, finding each other, voicing things like you're talking about mental health, you're talking about the body, you're talking about identity. And these are the conversations, and it feels like one little conversation, but add this up, add this up, add this up, and it multiplies. And what that does is makes each of us feel less alone in whatever our personal struggle is. I think the problem is when we're like, okay, I feel like this, and it must be just me. And it isn't just me, it isn't just you, it's all of us, you know, we're all 
products of this world, of this culture, of this dual identity that we're constantly trying to balance with. So more of this, I think, in my view, would change the world. Um, that brings me to the end. Is there anything you would like to add, any of you? Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to say? Well, I think if uh, people are interested in my work, <laughs> if I can promote myself, yes, uh, interested absolutely. in my work, they can look me up and on Instagram, uh, Lakshmi Manuela is my name. Prasanna, where can people find you? Just with my name. You on Google. Just, uh, She's Google really famous. Name. She comes up. <laughs> no, 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 it's just, there are just not so many presenters in this field with yeah. this background. That's why you can just Google my name. Google and Anu? Uh, you can find me on social media. Uh, at, no, Anu, no party. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a brilliant, brilliant name. And you can find Masala Podcast on Spotify, Apple. If you just Google Masala Podcast, I'll come up. And my platform is called Soul Sutras, so soulsutras.co.uk. If you go to the website, you can email me. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, all at Soul Sutras, so that's where I am. Come say hello to all of us and support us, because that's how we go forward in the world. Um, and I wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you for turning up, to Manoj for having us. <laughs> for giving us the space and for manning all the moaning and groaning on the, on the computer. Thank you all for being here. Before I let you go, I want you to repeat a couple of things for me. So I'm gonna say words and you repeat it after me. Bad Beatty's rule. Bad <laughs> I'm Beisharam. <laughs> I butt the knees and proud. Thank you so much for being a wonderful audience. <laughs> I'm Sangeeta Pillai. Thank you for listening to Masala Podcast, a Spotify original. Masala Podcast is part of my platform, Soul Sutras. What's that all about? Soul Sutras is a network for South Asian women, a safe space to tell our stories, to hear inspiring South Asian women challenging patriarchy, a space to be exactly the people we want to be and still feel like we belong in our culture and our community and ultimately a space where we feel less alone. I'd love to hear from you so do get in touch via email at soulsutras.co.uk or go to my website soulsutras.co.uk. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Soul Sutras. Masala Podcast was created and presented by me, Sangeeta Pillai, produced by Anushka Tate, opening music by Sunny Robertson. Besharam, Batamiz, Gandhi, hi, hi.